This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. Hi, Calvary. Thanks for tuning in for worship in the first weekend of 2021. 2020 is in the rear view mirror. All our problems are finally gone. We have a new way to start 2021. We're going to turn to a new series in our Bible study together as a church. It's called Jesus, I Am. And I'm so glad you've tuned in. In 2020, we spent a great deal of time talking about the unfolding of the work of the church in the book of Acts. And over the last several months, we've just really felt the need to focus in on Jesus himself. Who is he? Who did he say he is? And how can we know him? And it turns out that there are these seven statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John, the I am statements of Jesus. Here they are on the screen. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. These seven statements from Jesus describe him as he is, and we want to get to know him. We've all experienced a little bit of isolation, a little bit of separation. It's been somewhat disorienting for a long time, and we just felt like the healthiest thing we could do was get to know Jesus, draw near to him. So as you think about your personal goals for 2021, what if yours was like mine to say, Jesus, we want to know you as you revealed yourself. I've often told people one of the most fundamental questions we have to answer, all of us individually, is the question that Jesus asked. Who do you say that I am? Who did Jesus say he was? Well, seven times he used this very interesting phrase, I am. But it emerges from an episode that Jesus had in John chapter 8. And so if you have your Bible, I want you to turn. We're going to look at two passages, John chapter 8 and Exodus chapter 3. But in John chapter 8, Jesus is having something of an argument with the Jews in his day. And they were challenging him as they often did. And they were describing him as not aligning with Abraham, their father. Jesus went so far as to say, Abraham's not even your father. The devil's your father. I mean, it was a pretty intense conversation. And it was agitated in such a way that Jesus said um, to them, "Uh, I don't have a demon. They said, you have a demon. He said, no, I don't. I don't have a demon. You know, they're really getting at it here. And the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did all the prophets, and yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never taste death. So they're, they're going at it. And in verse 53, they ask him, are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets, who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? There it is on the screen. Who do you make yourself out to be? Now, when you're just reading that, you can't get the feel. We would put it this way in our day. Who do you think you are? That's what they're asking. Who do you think you are? And it's such a challenge to him. And he says 
If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It's my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he's our Father. But you don't know him. If you had known him, um, you wouldn't say this. But I know him. If I were to say that I don't know the Father, I would be a liar like you. You get the tension going on in the room here? And uh, I know my Father, and I keep his word, But your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Verse 57. So the Jews said to him, you're not 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Here's the conclusion. Verse 58. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I am. What does that mean? Before Abraham ever was, I am. Just the simple verb to be. I am. So they picked up stones to throw at Jesus. But he hid himself and went out. Okay, what's going on? There's a lot of tension. And now it culminates with them picking up stones because they want to put him to death. Why? Because he just said, before Abraham was, I am. You get what's happening? Jesus is asserting something about himself that so infuriates those who did not believe in him that he was tying himself to a phrase, the first person singular expression of the verb to be, the words, I am. And they knew that he was tying himself to that Old Testament reference, which now we're going to turn to in Exodus chapter 2 and 3. So let's turn back in the Old Testament because we have to understand where does the sense of Jesus saying of himself, I am, come from? Well, it comes from Exodus. In Exodus, the second book of your Old Testament, second book of the Bible, we pick up the history of God's work in the nation Israel, and they are in Egypt, not in the promised land. They've been there for about 400 years, and they have been in slavery. They've been enslaved to the pharaohs. And you remember the end of Genesis comes to a conclusion with Joseph rescuing his family and bringing all of Israel down there. And now it's almost 400 years since then. And the pharaohs have died, and there's a new pharaoh. But we pick up what life is like for the people of Israel in Egypt in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23. We get a sense of how terrible it really was. It says, During those many days, the kings of Egypt died, and the people of Israel, you get the words? I brought them out in yellow, bold. They groaned because of their slavery, and they cried out for help, and their cry for rescue from slavery came to God, and God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. So you see what their state of affairs was like. These words of groaning, it was terrible where they were at. In fact, it was so terrible that the entire nation of Israel was a slave force for Pharaoh. They were human slaves to build the nation of Egypt. Not only that, they were being put to death slowly. Their children, at the end, 
were being taken from their parents and thrown in the Nile River. All of the young boys, when they were born, if they were a boy, they were thrown into the river. You have infanticide, human slavery, genocide unfolding. And the question is, where's God in all of this? Well, the text tells us if you look at it another way, you can see four verbs that express God's compassion for that terrible situation. So their cry for rescue from slavery came to God. And if you're underlining in your Bible, you're circling, here's four verbs. God heard their groaning. He heard it with a sense of compassion, like he cares. It's not just a noise that he hears. He hears it with compassion. And he remembered his covenant, his promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He recalls that he made a promise to them. And God saw the people of Israel. I mean, he saw them, but he saw them with the intention of taking action on their behalf. And then he knew just as he knew. But if you know the Hebrew verb for knowing, it is more than just intellectual. It's like experiential, that God's knowing with a kind of compassion for them, a genuine experiential knowing that my people are suffering and this is not satisfactory. I just want you to keep those four verbs in your mind as now we begin to read chapter three for God's bringing a solution. And again, this is all tied back to John chapter 8, 58, where Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. We're going to see the meaning of that name of God. Heard, remembered, saw, and knew. Now let's read chapter 3 in the first six verses. Now Moses was keeping flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it wasn't consumed. See that? And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Uh, the Hebrew language is funny. Um, I will look over there to find out I've never seen this before. He's been in the wilderness for 40 years tending sheep. And yeah, you don't see that every day. So there's a bit of humor here. I'm going to turn aside and see what this is, why this bush is burning, but it's not consumed. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. He answered, here am I. And God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Now that leads us to the place where God is going to respond to the problems of his people that he sees the groanings that he hears, the promise that he remembers, and the suffering of his people that he knows. He's going to do something about it. You learn a little bit about this God, that when he draws near to Moses, there is a fire burning in a bush, but the bush isn't consumed. Why? 
What does that tell you about this God? It simply tells us that this God needs no fuel to be fire. The bush is not consumed because God is the fire and he needs nothing to make himself the fire in this instance. He, he is in need of nothing. So nothing fuels who God is in and of himself. He's completely self-sufficient. And where he is is a place of holiness. It's a place of a category unlike anything else. So take your sandals off. And where you're standing is the holy ground that I am. And Moses hides from God. He hides his face. And then we begin to hear what God's going to do. Verse 7. Then the Lord said, again, surely I have seen, there's that verb, the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and here's the fifth verbs, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good land, a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And you simply hear God saying one more verb about himself, I'm coming down. It's a beautiful picture of another way in which God is making himself known to them. So I I know their sufferings and I'm going to come down to them. And I'm going to bring them back to a land of milk and honey. Verse 9 says, And behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. I've seen the oppression. So there are those verbs again. Verse 10, Moses, this is going to be your part. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Okay, you had me at milk and honey. But like God says, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh and I'm going to have you bring my people out of that land of Egypt into the land I've promised to them. I can see Moses saying, you you had me all the way through verse 8. I like the sound of milk and honey, but this has to be something that you do. And God says to Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. And this is where everything gets really ground to a halt. Moses says, I I don't know if you know what you're asking me to do. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Who am I that I should go and take the people of Israel out of Egypt. Do you know who I am? I'm 80 years old. I'm a shepherd. I take care of sheep. They're not even my sheep. I work for my father-in-law. I'm old. My best days are past. 30 years ago, I killed an Egyptian official. Do you know who I am? Who am I? And you know what? That's the right question for Moses to ask. Who am I? I like this idea of you delivering your people, but this seems like something that you should do here, not me. Who am I that I should do this? Verse 12. God says, I will be with you. He doesn't answer the question who you are. He simply says, I'm going to be with you. And if you're keeping track, now you know that this is the sixth verb of God's affection for his people. I hear, I remember, 
I see, I know, I'm coming down, and I will be with you. Did you get those last two? I'm coming down, I will be with you. Who's in your mind? I'm coming down to rescue you from bondage, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Who is it? It's Jesus. Jesus is written into the Exodus story. We, we don't know it by reading it now, but when we read Jesus in John 8, 58, saying, before Abraham was, I am, here we're getting a glimpse of the one who came down to rescue people from bondage and to be with them forever. These six verbs of God's relationship to his people we need to have those in 2021. We need to cling to those that God sees us. He remembers what he's promised. He hears our problems. He knows what's happening to us. He has come down and he is always with us. This is the unfolding of the name of God. Who, who are you? And I love that God says to Moses, I, I'm gonna be with you. That's the answer. I'm always gonna be with you. Now Moses, faced with this huge challenge, is not quite done with his questions. And so in the next verse, verse 13, he poses a new sort of hypothetical question that is going to help him know a little bit more about this assignment. And, and this is where you, you have to really listen carefully to what's, what's in the question. Verse 13 says, Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, let's just say, I say to the people of Israel, the God of your fathers has And then they ask me, what is his name? What am I going to say to them? Now, this is as diplomatic as Moses can be with God to say, who are you? What is your name? But it's not just what is your name. It's really more like, what is the meaning of your name? Or even more than that, even more than that, Moses is asking God in a very polite, diplomatic way, what kind of God are you? Do you know what's happening down here? Do you know what we're going through? They are killing us. They're stealing our children and drowning them. They're working us to death. And you want me to go to the most powerful man in the world and say to him, excuse me, I'm going to take all of your slave force, all of your working power for the economy of Egypt, and I'm going to bring them out of this land and lead them to another. You should forecast a, a harsher economy this time next year. How, how am I going to say that to Pharaoh? Do you know what you're asking me? Who are you? What, what kind of a God are you that you would send me? And here's where you come to the answer. The answer's in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me. Now, I, I have to imagine if I say, well, what's the name of your God? 
This must have been an, a confusing statement. What does it mean when God says to Moses, I am that I am? What does that even mean? It is, uh, again, the use of the verb to be in the first person singular use, I am. I am that I am. I am what I am. I am who I am. And you say, well, that doesn't make that much sense. I am who I am. And at this juncture, theologians for centuries have unfolded this statement, I am what I am, I am that I am, I will be who I will be. And say, well, what, what does that mean philosophically? What does it mean to understand a theoretic, theological, philosophical discourse on the ontology of God from the statement using the verb to be. And you know what? I don't think Moses was asking for a philosophical explanation of God, though we could build one here, and I like that kind of stuff. I think what Moses is asking God is, what kind of a God are you? And do you know what's happening here? And can you handle that? Can you handle Egypt? Can you take care of Pharaoh? What you're asking me to do, can you do that? And God simply says, I am that I am. Let me see if I can illustrate it. It's going to go back a long ways to cartoons in my day. You recognize this cartoon? That's Popeye. Popeye the Sailor Man. And Popeye is a cartoon for my era, and Popeye was a superhero who took on superhuman powers by eating spinach. I kid you not, that's really the story. And he would eat not just fresh spinach, but canned spinach. And eating canned spinach, Popeye could take on the world. Do you know what his catchphrase was? The catchphrase that Popeye always said, I am that I am. I am what I am. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm strong to the finish because I eat my spinach. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. What was he saying? You know, you say, well, what does that mean? I am what I am. It's, if you analyzed it, it's um, A equals A. It's a tautology. It doesn't make any sense. And that's part of the point. I am what I am is about ethos. It's about attitude. It's about zeal. It's about the jealousy. When God says to Moses, I am that I am. I am who I am. I am what I am. In, in the Genesis verse, God's answer is not about a theological discourse. It is about his attitude. It's about his zeal. It's about God saying, I got this. I know how to handle Pharaoh. Can you handle Egypt? I am who I am, and I will do that. Do you get the sense of that? That's the kind of God that he is. We don't have time to look at chapter 6, but you will see if you study the opening section of Exodus 6, there's another further explanation where God says, when I revealed myself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I didn't reveal myself as the I am. I revealed myself as El Shaddai, 
God Almighty, the provider, and I helped Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I came alongside them to help them bear children, to have food, to be protected in chaotic times. I was their providential, caregiving God as El Shaddai. But they didn't know me as the I am, Yahweh. They didn't know me that way, but you will. See, I cared for them as my people, but now I am revealed as the great I am who can take care of not only my people, but I can take care of nations and I can take care of Egypt. I can take care of the world. My name is I am. So if I am is the first person use of the verb to be, Yahweh, every time you see the word Lord in your Bible in capital letters, is the transliteration of the third person singular of the verb to be. So who is your God? He is. He is. Yahweh. He is, I am. He can rightly say, my name is, I am. I am what I am. I will be what I will be. And I don't need anything, and I can handle anything. That's what God is saying to Moses. And back to the New Testament, this is what Jesus is saying, and why they wanted to kill him is he just said, that I am, I am. I am that I am. I am that Old Testament one who is the ground of all being. He is the one uncaused, uncreated, self-sufficient, self-existent, omnicompetent, everlasting, eternal God, world without end, no beginning. He is the one. That's who he is. And he's the one who says seven times in the Gospels of John, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I am the door. I'm the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the true vine. And we need to know him as he is, not in some truncated way that we think of him. Oh, we just go to him and he provides for us. No, when, when, Jesus, uh, when God answered Moses, I am that I am, I think there was an attitude there that says, I I got this, and I can do whatever I need to do in any situation, in any nation, in any place, including yours. I see you, I hear you, I remember what I promised you, I know what's happening, I've come down, and I will be with you. Man, we're gonna look at these seven I am statements of Jesus so that we will know him as he is and love him as he is and be guided by him in all of 2021. That's what I'm praying for us. I'm praying it for you. Let's pray right now. God, I pray for every person hearing my voice right now who needs to know that Jesus is the great one, the one who in himself is sufficient to do all that he desires and that he needs nothing from us, but he offers all of himself to us.
And so I just ask, Father, that you will draw us into a love for Jesus. I pray for anybody here listening to me today who doubts that Jesus is the all-sufficient Savior and the Lord. Please open their hearts to see Jesus in a way the one who can satisfy the soul and cleanse the heart and give eternal life. Lord, give us a vision of Jesus in 2021 and lead us to be people who know you more deeply and love you more fully. In Jesus' name we pray together. And everybody said, amen.